Let's take a moment as we hear God's word this morning and pray. Heavenly Father, strengthen us, sanctify us, make us holy, bless us with the truth, for your word is truth. Amen. It's crooked. It's going to drive me crazy. What's that? All right, we're taking a look for these couple weeks at the good life that God has laid out for us to live. And if ever there was a time that you and I needed wisdom, I think we can agree we need it now. Not only do we have a, a pandemic to deal with, we've got protests, an incredibly complicated political situation. The economy is challenging all of us. We need wisdom to make some good choices. And this is an important time. And so today we're going to be looking at an application or, or a, a basic principle, I maybe should say, that drives the teaching that Jesus laid out for us in Matthew chapter 18 there. Uh, it's the words of Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, they're printed there in your service folder. I can read them also quickly for us right now. He, that is God, mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. So let's start here. Uh, there was a season in my life, and I, I can remember it still pretty clearly, where I was, I was struggling. Things were going badly. Um, I, was, I was not performing well at work. Things were not going well at work, or at least it seemed like that to me. Relationships were really hard, uh, and I felt like I was losing more relationships than I was making. Uh, I was conflicted with family members and with friends. Uh, I, I was filled with, not filled, that's, that's a really strong word. I, I had a lot of negative thoughts, a lot of, of questions, uh, and I was not making progress on any of the goals, the tasks, the things that I wanted to do in life. I was completely, I felt, unproductive. And during that time period, then, I reached out to a good friend and a, a mentor, a confidant, uh, he had some experience in some counseling, and I, I asked him a, a number of questions. You know, I started asking him things like, am I depressed? How would I know if I'm depressed? Is this, is this what depression sounds like? Uh, you know, am I, am I burned out? Is it my personality? Is the reason that I'm having so many conflicts with my family and my friends and I can't build good, new, meaningful relationships my personality? What is it about my personality? Is there something about it? Is it my attachment, my family background? Is it the, the background that I came out of? Uh, and you can imagine that going through this process for about six months, I don't know if you would call it anxiety. I was just filled with a lot of questions, a, a ton of questions and searching this internal anguish and, and turmoil. And if you've ever gone through it, I, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Eventually, my friend and my confidant looked at me and said, do you think it's maybe time to stop thinking about yourself so much and maybe start to think about these other people? Maybe it's less the relationships and the conflict and the productivity is less about you and it's more about them. And, and it was about the same time that somebody even closer and dearer to me just looked at me and said, I think you need a boatload of humility. Ooh, that was kind of harsh. But, uh, you know, I don't know still to this day if my, my confidant and my friend were correct. There are a lot of times where I and, and you or we are the problem, and we need to stop asking what's wrong with them, and we start saying what's wrong with ourselves. Uh, but I do know, too, that humility is incredibly 
powerful. Humility is just so powerful. You know, C.S. Lewis, he gave us a really nice, simple description of a humble person when he said that uh, when you meet a humble person, they probably have a gentle, intelligent spirit, and, and you will feel so wonderful because they listened to you well. And you say, oh yeah, that is. A, a humble person is so powerful. I think about the example of Martin Luther. Martin Luther uh, one time heard that people were calling people themselves Lutherans. And, and Luther said about that, he said, what's Luther? What's Luther? This teaching is not mine nor was I crucified for anyone. How did I, a poor, stinking bag of maggots that I am, come to the point where people call the children of Christ by my evil name? I simply taught, and I preached, and I I wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, or I drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, God's word did everything. That's that's the thing, that, that humility really does great things. And that's something that I'm still learning in my life, even as I seek to be a, a spiritual leader and pastor. And I, I'm really thankful that I get to see it in so many people around me. I've got a, a good mentor and a confidant who, who saw that I was going through this anguish right when I, I was in this transition in my life and said, how can I help? I've got friends and, and neighbors and, and some of you here who who say, I love you, you give me hugs, you pray for me, you always have an encouraging word for me. That makes all the difference. Humility from you towards me. People who have said, we'll stick with you, however the criticism works, and we will help you. That does great things. And that's what we want to discover today. What's the great things that humility could do for you and for me? The first thing we got to say is just, and hopefully uh, you're already a little excited about this point, is that you have to have humility. You have to have humility, and hopefully you already get this a, a little bit, but uh, you know, this is not just me saying this. Benjamin Franklin, 1726, sat down to write a list uh, of 12 virtues that he needed to master in life. And the reason was he was looking at his life and he realized how imperfect he was. His soul had many moral imperfections, he said. He took that list of 12 things and he handed it to a friend and to, to review, and his friend looked at him and and he knew that Franklin was quick to argue, he was quick to debate, uh, he was slow to listen to other people, and he said, you need humility on the list. Ooh. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I think that Jesus shows us in this unmerciful servant story about humility today is just why we need humility, why it, it, it's so important. Uh, to, you know, to review the, the lesson with you quickly, the unmerciful servant goes like this. There's a man, he lives under a king, he, he comes to the king, he begs the king for, for forgiveness for a massive amount, an, an immeasurable of debt. The king forgives the debt. The man turns around and, and he, he charges a, a friend, a confidant of his, he throws him into prison for a tiny debt. Then the king comes back and throws the, the first man into prison and he tortures him for a lifetime. Ooh, that's how the story goes, huh? And, and maybe, maybe you don't see it right away. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you're faster than I am. You know, but you realize that Jesus is teaching us how we can get what we deserve in life or don't deserve. Right? Uh, the irreligious person, the, 
the person who says, there is no God, there is no king, there is no ruler, there is no master in my life, that person says, everything is fate. Everything is chance. I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever I want. And however my life works out, good or bad, I, I don't know. I can't control it. There's nothing I can do about it. Jesus wants to illustrate the religious person. The, the unmerciful servant is a, a, is a religious person. He's a person who says, I tithe. I go to church every week. I follow all the rules. I play by all the rules. I demand justice and fairness. And what do you get then in life? You get what you deserve. What did the man deserve? Punishment. Because he wasn't half as good as he thought he was. And Jesus wants to say, you know, the best principle for life, the, the truest principle that makes a good life is, is the gospel. The gospel says the king is good. The king is gracious. The king is generous. The king is loving. And if you want to get more than you ever imagined in life, then be humble. Be humble and you'll get what you don't deserve. Right? This is one of the great paradoxes of life. That if you say, I play by the rules, I follow all the rules, I, 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 pay, I pay my tithe, I show up for church, I'm responsible with my finances, uh, I do, don't have sex before marriage, I don't drink too much, I'm responsible in all of these matters, then you're going to get what you deserve in life. But do you really want what you deserve? And if you don't want what you don't deserve, if you want to get so much more than what you deserve, then be humble. Can we do that? Let's see how we can do that from, from these words from Proverbs chapter 3, where, where God says, He mocks the mocker, but He gives favor or grace to the humble and the oppressed. You see what that's saying? Pride is not about what you have. Unhealthy pride, evil pride, is about comparing what you have with someone else. And you know what God does? God turns that whole principle upside down. He turns it upside down. The whole Bible, what is it full of? The entire Bible is, is full of stories where God says, I reject the powerful, I reject the mighty, I reject the intelligent, I reject the strong, I choose the weak, I choose the poor, I choose the lowly, and I choose the humble. You know, in, in ancient cultures, it was always the first son who got all of the benefits, all of the, 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 uh, the, the gifts, all of the blessings in life. And, and yet then God comes along and he says, I choose Abel, not Cain. Abel was the second son. And, and God says, I choose Isaac, not Ishmael. Isaac was the second son. And God says, I choose Jacob over Esau. I choose Moses over Aaron. I choose David over his other brothers. I choose every time the weak and the lowly and the poor and the humble. That's his understanding of, of generosity. And when it comes to women, you know, the rule in life is, is it the women, the beautiful women, get the power and they get the, the strong men and they're the ones who get ahead. And yet God comes along and he says, I choose Hagar, not, or I choose Sarah, not Hagar. I choose Leah, who has weak eyes, which means she's not beautiful, 
over Rachel. And, and I choose Tamar, and I choose Rahab the prostitute, and I choose Hannah who is barren. Over and over God says, I choose the humble and the barren and the weak and the not beautiful. They are my people. God only works through the girl that nobody wanted and the boy that everybody ignored. Those are the people that he chooses. And what's he saying? Is this, is this just some kind of poetic justice? Is this something beautiful that God wants to do? It's not, is it? Because when God wanted to come into this world, he didn't come to Van Andel Center with a big rock concert. He came in a feed trough. He didn't park himself down in the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve. He came in a manger in a totally out-of-the-way Roman imperial province that nobody had ever heard of or cared about. It's like the Christmas carol says. Do you know this Christmas carol? It's a new one for me. Seek not in courts or palaces, nor royal curtains draw, but search the stable, see your God, extended on the straw. He comes there and he's born into a family. He's born into poverty. He's born into to nothingless. He's basically homeless his whole life. He's denied. He's abandoned by his best friends. And he dies an ignominious and unbearable death. And I think about it. If you, if you wanted to become great in life, is that what any of you would do? You have your goals. You have your strategies. You have your plans, don't you? To get someplace in life. Is that the plan any of you would make? Right? You have goals. Let's say you say to yourself, in 2,000 years, I want a third of the entire world to bow down and worship in my name. I want civilizations to be built on the basis of me. I want everybody everywhere to recognize me. I want the most popular book in the world to be published in my name. Is that what any of you would do? Would you be denied? Would you be born in a feed trough? Would you go to an out-of-the-way Roman imperial province? Of course you wouldn't, right? Of course you wouldn't. But this is what God has done. This is what God has said. He came and he lived. He lived that the life that you and I are too weak to live, and he died the death that we're nowhere strong enough to die. He lived the life that we should have lived, and he died the, the death that we should have died. He paid our punishment. He was our substitute. All so that God could look at us and say, this is my way of living. I love the lowly and the poor and the oppressed. And God loves to look at you and, and to me and to say, I value you more than all of the jewels, all of the diamonds, all of the rubies, all of the philosophies, all of the galaxies of this universe. There is nothing in the highest heavens, even my own son, that I love more than you. That is amazing grace to people who don't deserve it. Right? So that's, let's do this. Let's be humble, and we'll get way more than what we deserve. There's a, a confusion about humility that we need to, to watch out for. A lot of people think that humility means you have to become nothing. 
You have to, to give up all of your goals, all of your uh, dreams, your ideals, that you have to almost stop using your best gifts in, in service of others. And it's not like that at all. To, to become humble means that you become everything that you can be because God has said to you, you I love more than the world itself, and, and yet you do that, and the whole time you say, I am low, I am nothing. One of my favorite people in the world, he's, he's got a thriving businesses, he's, he's starting multiple businesses, and yet he's highly successful, and yet he's the guy who would stop and he'd say to me, how can I help you? I'll give you a whole hour of my time, whatever you need. And he would talk me through all of my problems. It was so incredible. That was humility, to give up his, his time, his generosity like that. His name was Michael. What a guy. And yet, that is humility. When you and I embrace humility, not only will we get far more than what we deserve, the people that we love, the people that we cherish, will get way more than they deserve too. Let's do this. Let's be humble and get more than we deserve. Huh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, humility is in short supply for some of us, perhaps because we take a false pride in the lowly place in life that we already have, uh, or perhaps because we've just given up on recognizing how much we do have, or hopefully it's, it's not this, because we've said, I am going to do it all on my own, and I, I will take whatever I deserve, because I can keep all the rules. We pray that you would make us humble, and therefore let us discover that we can get far more than we deserve from your generous hand. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.